Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. Well, welcome to another episode of Franchise You. And in this episode, we get to talk with Sophia Swimba, who is with Marriott. Sophia is an incredible leader in finance, but now in franchising at the Marriott organization, which I'm sure all of you are aware is quite large, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But first of all, let's talk about Sophia. So she has focused on finance during her almost 15-year career with Marriott, predominantly in D.C. She worked in the field at a number of hotels, but now is focused on franchising. She is the vice president of franchising focused on the 4,900 plus Marriott branded hotels in the U.S. and Canada. And there are also over a thousand franchisees in the U.S. and Canada. And Sophia is charged with delivering on the value proposition for all of those franchisees. I could go on and on about Sophia, and I should also mention she is a board member of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence here at the University of Louisville, which we appreciate. Sophia, would you tell us a little bit more about your background and how it led to your current role? It's good to be here with you, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me on. So I started with Marriott in 2007, right after um, the financial crisis as a manager in training in finance and accounting um, on property. So obviously that was a very challenging time for hotels, um, but it ended up being a very beneficial experience for me in the long run because it not only taught me a lot about the business in a short amount of time, but it also gave me um, some experience navigating challenges very early on in my career. I used to have a general manager that said, it's easy to run a business when things are good, but the real test of a good manager is seeing how they work through the hard times. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of really stuck with me over the years. So I spent about 10 years in what we call the field. So working on property in the operation and supported the operation from a finance and accounting perspective. And I really didn't target any one position, um, but I really sought out to um, seek different hotel experiences. So as you uh, know, we have a breadth of brands within Marriott And I thought it was really important for me to experience and understand uh, those brands so that I could sort of add tools to my tool belt, if you will. Um, So when I was in the property, I worked in many different brands, including our luxury, premium, and select branded segments. I worked in a union hotel. I also worked in, you know, a convention downtown group-based hotel with over a thousand rooms and a hundred and twenty-five thousand square feet of meeting space, all the way to a small operation with just three hundred hotels, mostly transient-based business. Um, and little to no meeting space. So really a vast uh, experience of different types of hotels that I worked in. And that really helped me kind of uh, build uh, my uh, experience, um, you know, in a short amount of time. And it ended up opening the door for me to my first job at Marriott Corporate Headquarters as the finance business partner supporting our then 400 um, Marriott select branded hotels managed by Marriott in the U.S. and Canada. So, and in that role, I was uh, by and large in charge of managing the owner relationship for our hotels that we managed within that portfolio. 
Um, and it gave me a lot of exposure for the first time in my career to other parts of the hotel business, which I really didn't have much knowledge of up to that point. Um, and franchising was one of those parts of the business. And when I say one, it's really the biggest part of our business today. And I really felt like I uh, was missing out in a way mm-hmm. on what is really the growth engine for our company. So I jumped at an opportunity to come onto this side of the business. Um, and that has kind of landed me in my current role today. Um, and my title is franchise advocate. So what I do in this role is support an organization we call owner and franchise services and really advocate um, for our franchise strategy and ensure that we're delivering the value proposition, you know, to our 1700 plus franchisees in U.S. and Canada. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. You know, let's unpack a little bit about, about what you said with this career. So oftentimes people think franchising is becoming a franchisee. And I like to especially tell my students in franchising that there are so many amazing opportunities at the franchisor. And you've proven that. And then some other advice that we've heard in the past is working in the field and understanding what's going on is so critical. And you've done just that. Then the last thing you talked about that I love the word you use, that franchising is the growth engine. Oh, my goodness. It's the growth engine for so many franchisors. But to hear that is the growth engine for a brand like Marriott is pretty incredible. When you first started, what did you think your career would be like compared to what it's now? Yeah, um, and I love that you asked this question um, because it's such a great point um, that I hope we can kind of continue to educate people on. So I mentioned that personally, when I started with the company, I really didn't understand all the different sides of the business. And I focused really primarily on the operations uh, track, which was our managed by Marriott organization. And in in hindsight, honestly, knowing what I know today, um, that was somewhat of a narrow thinking initially. And it wasn't, like I said, until I started my job at headquarters that I really uh, understood and appreciated all of the different aspects and what franchise brings to the table. And so, you know, certainly I did not imagine a career in franchise specifically, um, but when you think about all the opportunities and the disciplines that support a franchise organization, um, we just have tremendous opportunity to offer folks from that standpoint. So, there's legal teams, there's the brand teams, there's loyalty teams, there's IT, um, and the list really goes on. So it's not just right a hospitality company, but there's all of these experts within that uh, company and specifically within ours um, that allows people to kind of have different tracks um, and possibilities. I love that you said that. And we won't go down this road because we could spend the next half hour on that is the technology alone and what it's done to um, your industry. But you've had just a a great career. Thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about Marriott. And, you know, Marriott has a wonderful story and it was so fun researching and really looking at it. And I loved how it started with newlyweds, Jay Willard and Alice Marriott. And so they opened up, a lot of people probably don't know this, they opened up an A&W root beer stand in 1927 in DC. And even I didn't know that. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so fascinating. And so they added food items over the next 10 years. Then they began catering to passengers at an airport close to DC. 
that was super successful. They went public in 53. Then they made that historic shift to hotels in 57 um, with their son, Bill, managing the first location in Arlington, Virginia. And, and as the world knows, Bill was quite the visionary when International in 69 entered the cruise business in 72. But in the, in the late 80s, the innovations really began. And all of the types of hotels that you've already mentioned, Sophia, were created. Um, the purchase of Starwood made Marriott an even bigger powerhouse. And so now it's the largest hotel chain in terms of number of rooms. So it's really like when you read the story, it's just incredible. What do you think brings about all these innovations at Marriott? Yeah, so just a really fun fact um, to add on to that, yeah. since we're sort of highlighting franchise here. So the A&W Root Beer Stand was a franchise. Ah. It's, um, and so we are deeply rooted um, and familiar with this business. And I always love that. It's not a fact that I learned until very recently. But with regards to innovation, I think it really boils down to the fact that it's really the fabric of who we are as a company. Um, and we are a growth company. Uh, you often, I'm sure if you've listened to any um, thing that Mr. Marriott has written or interviews he's done, he used to always say more. Um, and all of what you shared from our history is really just proof that uh, you know we live by those words. Um, and so we really embrace the thought of change and innovation. Um, that's part of, you know, what we're challenged to do as leaders for this company. Um, and a perfect example of this, I think, and one of the most fascinating things, and I think was really an impetus for our growth long term was when Mr. Marriott um, led our hotel company from away from a hotel ownership business model to a property management and franchise model that we have today. So that was in like the late 1970s. Um, and at that time, we had a lot of debt on our balance sheet. Um, and frankly, we're near bankruptcy. And he knew that we had to evolve in order to for the company really to survive and have that growth model um, that we sort of live by. So um, again, that's just one of many examples of how he successfully evolved the company, um, again, to meet the world where it was at the time um, and you know, really make sure that we have the long-term success um, that we see today. Wow, that's quite a testament to um, him and his vision. And so let's talk about that franchising opportunity. So what is really the value proposition for a Marriott franchisee? So when you think about the value proposition for our franchisees, and even if you were to ask them, it's really very simple. So um, what we're bringing to the table is the strength of our brands. Um, and the uh, engines or channels, as we call them, that deliver reservations or revenue um, to their hotels. And not only do we deliver room nights, but we're able to deliver a premium in ADR, um, helping them to kind of maximize the revenue that they get because of the strength of our brand. Um, and so when people enter a franchise agreement, right, they're entering it to make money, right? They're looking to invest and make a return on that investment. And our brands tend to deliver a stronger return on investment because of the strength of the brand um, and the customers we're able to bring in through our reservation channels at a lower cost. So those are probably the two biggest things. That That is interesting. And you um, mentioned an acronym that 
ADR that is that is within the hotel industry. Can you just explain that to our listeners what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So um, oftentimes when you hear our company report out to Wall Street, sort of, you know, on our earnings calls, you'll hear um, these hotel companies talk about RevPAR. And that's really how much revenue are you getting per available room? Um, And that's a combination of what rate did that customer, so did you pay $150 a night or did you pay $200? So that's that ADR that I'm talking about. And then occupancy. So if you had 100 rooms, did you fill 80% of them or did you fill 50% of them? Um, And so the name of the game is always getting the the most optimal mixture of occupancy and rate. Um, And it's just as important to get occupancy as it is to get rate because we know a customer at a $50 rate is maybe not as ideal as a customer at an $80 rate. Got you. That that totally makes sense. So ADR is actually is that average daily rate? Yes, that's great. You got it. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And you're right. When you're looking at value proposition, that's important is, is knowing that. And I have heard the term RevPAR. So thank you so much for explaining that um, to all of us. And, you know, when you look at a Marriott, obviously it's a large facility. So the initial investment is quite high. And um, I get that because it's a huge structure that you're building. And of course, the price of dirt these days is also very high. And your FDD estimates your range of costs to be between 74 and 118 million. So it does narrow the market of potential franchisees just due to the cost of entry. Could you talk a bit about the type of franchisees that you have? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that, you know, is important to note here is that we don't just have one type of franchisee. So as you can imagine, in U.S. and Canada, we have over 1,700 franchisees in our portfolio, and some are owner operators, right? So that maybe only have one to two hotels um, within their portfolio, and others range all the way up to their large uh, REITs. So these are real estate investment um, companies that have more breadth. So they may have 100 properties within their portfolio that they're managing uh, a fund for. So we really have a unique and diverse set of franchisees with differentiated needs, um, which is why our owner franchise services team Um, has been so successful with the account management support structure that's been a competitive advantage for Marriott in sort of servicing the needs of all of our franchisees. Um, And I'll just add one more point. Um, The entry uh, price or the initial investment does range based on the brand that you are buying into. And so we have over 30 brands, which is wonderful because that allows for different entry points um, for our investors, some um, lower or, you know, all the way up to luxury, which would be the highest, uh, you know, sort of entry point from an initial investment standpoint. Um, So did I answer your question? Yes, very, very well. That makes total sense. And you're right. With over 30 brands, there are many opportunities. And um, I'm glad that you talked about the fact that the the face of franchising looks different based upon the number of hotels and the the type of organization. So thank you. That does very well. And let me ask you, Sophia, what attributes do you think make a successful Marriott franchisee? So uh, there's not one thing that probably makes them successful, right? Certainly, 
um, our hotels, when you think about their success, um, it's largely dependent on some macroeconomic factors combined with obviously our brand um, and engines that are coming into play. But when I think about, you know, when you look over a three-year period, I actually just um, participated in a project where we did a segmentation and looked at sort of what is the performance um, and behaviors of our um, stakeholders over a period of time to kind of understand, um, you know, how we can better engage with them um, to really prop them up for success. And one of the things that stood out in that project was our franchisees that are highly engaged tend to also see high performance over, you know, a consistent period of time. And so, you know, I would say that's probably the one thing that really stands out is those that are most engaged with us and really leverage the tools and resources and know how to lean into the support structure and navigate the building have the most success optimizing the performance of their hotels and thus the return on their investment. I'm really glad you said that because I've heard that theme throughout many franchisors is following the model and really leveraging the best practices, the standards, and your franchisor and fellow franchisees makes you successful. So thank you for reiterating that. The data was like highly correlated. I thought it was so great. Intuitively, that's the case, but it was interesting to see right on paper that the yeah. RevPAR performance, right, which is a key metric that I spoke about earlier that we look at is so highly correlated with engagement. That is great. It's no different, I think, than employee engagement and retention Um and retention facts and performance, all of that. But it's great to see it when it's proven. So um, thank you for that. Let's let's switch a little bit. Let's switch gears and talk about a couple of differentiators that I think the Marriott brand has. And it would be interesting to hear how it relates to franchisees. And one is something that I partake in, your customer loyalty program, Bonvoy. Can you talk about how franchisees are a part of that process, how that works? Yeah, absolutely. The Bonvoy program is really key to the success of our hotels and our franchisees really understand the value of this program. Um, so in general, more than half of their revenue that's coming into their business, you know, when you look at a full year is coming from Bonvoy. So loyalty member room nights, wow. um, and they're coming at a very premium rate. So if you were to look at non-Bonvoy room nights, versus a Bonvoy member room night, there is a difference in that average daily rate um, that we talked about earlier um, that's a premium to them. So meaning there it's a better mix of business. It's a better piece of business for them, right, than the non-Bonvoy. And as you can imagine, it makes the program really quite attractive and adds to the overall value proposition um, for our franchisees. So they are very tied into that program and incented to want to grow what we call Bonvoy penetration, you know, making sure that we're growing the room nights at each hotel unit from our Bonvoy members. Um, there's obviously a cost associated with managing a program because you yourself as a Bonvoy member, and thank you so much, by the way, for being a Bonvoy member, 
uh, we appreciate your business, but there's perks for you being part of that program, right? So um, as with each stay, additional stay, you get points, right? Mm -hmm. And those points are worth a value. And it's also worth a status at some point too, which provides additional perks. Um, And our franchisees pay um, to cover the cost of those uh, perks that you're receiving. Um, But certainly the revenue that they're obtaining at the premium that they're getting far exceeds um, sort of the expenses that um, come along with running that program. You know, Sophia, that's so interesting because um, I was at a Marriott hotel just a few weeks ago in mid-December. And when you are greeted, when you're a Bonvoy member, the way you're greeted and you're given the water and you can tell that it's really special. And I didn't realize that the average daily rate was higher for Bonvoy members. So that even makes it more appealing. You all have done a very nice job with that program for sure. So when it comes to some other things, do you all have something called a national account? For example, large companies have special accounts with Marriott for their conventions. And if so, how do you manage that with your franchisees? Yeah, no, and thanks for highlighting this. This is, uh, I think, another huge benefit of being part of the Marriott family and buying into our brands. Um, so given our breadth and our reach, uh, you know, our franchisees end up being supported by what we call our global sales office, our account sales, and national group sales. Um, and basically, they manage the largest um, accounts across all of our brands. Um, and they support both manage and franchise, and they cover all different revenue streams. So business travel, group, extend stay, leisure, um, in all of the key segments that, of course, these hotels would want to partake in, like corporate, um, association, um, and other intermediary accounts. Um, so that's the national accounts rate. So what it results in is additional roommates, um, to their hotel, right? So instead of them having to go out in their backyard and fight for the IBM room nights by themselves, they have the support of a larger connectivity that we have and relationship we have with an IBM as an example. And they benefit from that um, by having, you know, um, you know, that rate program available. And again, that national sort of recognition and relationship. That's great. Um, I that is that is really a great benefit as well. So another question, a little a little different, is: Do you all have a franchise advisory council? And if so, how does that work? Uh, yes, we have many different uh, advisory councils um, for different things. So first and foremost, um, you know, our advisory boards for brands. Um, so we talked about our value proposition is directly tied to the strength of our brands. Um, Having the partnership with our franchisees on the long-term strategy for each of the brands um, that they are invested in, we think is really important. And those have been really fruitful advisory boards. And we also will have advisory boards for things that are sort of uh, major initiatives. So um, you may have heard in the news or read that, you know, uh, Marriott MGP, our Marriott growth platform. So we're going to be sort of uh, doing a 
overhaul on our reservation system, among other things. So it's an, it's an IT initiative, which our franchisees, you know, again, that's not their space, but they bring a lot of value sure. when you think about um, the intel that they can bring um, to the table in terms of what is really needed to make sure that we have optimal systems in place on a long-term basis to, again, optimize the performance of the hotel um, and really provide uh, the best tools and resources to them. A lot of times these advisory councils may um, start organically based on, right, just what I talked about, something that's sort of occurring today that we need to plan for the future. And then other ones are more um, formalized, like our brand ones, and are really a part of our culture, right, and, and how we partner with the franchisee. I'm really glad to hear that. But I got to tell you, hearing that you're going to look at a new reservation system, oh my gosh, I can't imagine the intricacies of that. And another reason I'm glad I'm not in IT and I admire those people greatly. That is a You tough and me one. both. <laughs> yeah, that is a tough one. So the last question before I kind of wrap us up is about COVID. And the franchising model really proved to be a huge asset in the entire country with all the support provided. Are there a couple of examples of the types of support that you provided your franchisees, especially maybe at the beginning of the pandemic? Absolutely. And I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, it really, uh, the COVID uh, really showed the resiliency of this business model. And it also allowed us to support the franchisees in the way that they needed to in a really quick manner. So just a couple of examples, right? So we are able to do things right at a global level that impacts our franchisees immediately, like we created flexibility in standards to not only adjust for COVID protocols, but also understand the financial situation that um, our franchisees are in. And as I mentioned, some of them are simply small business owners, right? And they're just as important to us as our larger investment uh, companies are. And so we have to be mindful of, you know, what's going to work for them uh, under the current, you know, macroeconomic situation. We also suspended things like we have accountability programs and there's cost associated with that. So again, that gives them flexibility to uh, work in an environment that was very fluid. We had never really been in that space before and we needed to give them the appropriate amount of decision-making power so that they could kind of muscle through that, you know, on a short-term basis. Mm -hmm. uh, we also revamped our renovation program, again, with a goal of sort of protecting our brand equity, but also keeping in mind the pressures that our uh, franchisees had, creating somewhat of a compromise there that would allow us to secure that over a one to three period, but do it in a way that was going to be, um, you know, tenable to our uh, franchisees. We had, uh, we started these uh, weekly webinars, which were very well attended. We would have hundreds and hundreds of folks dial into this. And that was really our connectivity to them on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, we had never done that before and just really dialed up the communication because I'm sure all businesses during this past two years, you have things constantly changing. It's still the case today, right? Vaccine mandates. What are they going to do with that? And how does that impact the business? And we are out there every seven days, you know, making sure that we're sharing the most up-to-date information with them and, and giving them that opportunity to connect, um, you know, with us. That's wonderful. And it really demonstrates the power of Marriott and how you care about your franchisees and really have 
the, all of their success in mind. So um, thank you for sharing all that. And, you know, Sophia, I'm going to kind of close this down here, but I'm going to bring it back to you because you are a huge part of also what's made Marriott so great. What is the one thing you're most proud of in your career? I think, um, I, I, and I love this question. Thank you for asking. I'm, I'm most proud of really the people that I work with and in particular people that I've been able to help in either small or, or big ways. Um, I was thinking back as I was preparing for this of a reception that I was at about, you know, right before the new year, we have this wonderful program for what we call our emerging leaders. Um, and that reception was intended to honor these leaders who are emerging in their career. And, and we really want to make sure that they have the proper to support, um, you know, to be the leaders of tomorrow. And to my surprise, I ran into at least probably three former managers I had worked with in the past, you know, um, three to 10 years. And it really just filled my soul to see where they're at, their success, and know that, you know, I had some part of where they are today, again, whether it be small or big. So that that's definitely something that, um, you know, uh, comes to mind. I appreciate that you brought it back to all the opportunities available in franchising, whether it's at the franchisor, the franchisee level, it's just unbelievable the opportunity there is for anyone interested in this wonderful business model. So um, we've learned a lot about Marriott, learned a lot about you. So my last question for you is, is there anything that you wish you had known when you first entered this franchising arena? So I only wish I knew about it sooner, Kathy. Um, And that's why I am really passionate about the work that you're doing um, in the academic space. I think it's so wonderful. I uh, come from very small beginnings. Um, You know, my mother was a teacher. My dad uh, was in the Navy. And so I, I really had no clue about franchising and wouldn't have known as a young student to even ask about it because you only know what you know. And we keep coming back to this. There's so many opportunities on really both sides of the business, um, like we talked about today, to the tune that we can share that with students um, and educate them. It could be a passion for somebody and a foundation for, you know, building generational wealth for themselves and their families and also strengthening the business model right around the globe um, to continue to grow this wonderful business that allows you to connect with so many different people um, and again, different sides of the business. That's wonderful. Well, Sophia, I can't thank you enough for being my guest today and um, stay safe out there. And thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. You too. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.